You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem-solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, it is Southside Sox on the Farm Podcast number 21, and we are profiling what Darren has just told me is the least interesting team in the system, so turn your volume up and pay extra attention to this one because it is the Winston-Salem Dash, a team which I've told you before, Darren, I think I even squeezed it once into one of your updates. At some point, I want to say... It was fairly well into the season. This was a team, a couple games. I think they were 17 and 15. They were a couple games better than 500 and then commenced to lose about the last 86 games of the year. The Winston-Salem Dash, 43 and 76, 12th best out of 12 teams in their league division, 39 and a half games behind. So that's actually worse uh, I think that's worse than the organization. Definitely worse than Charlotte. Minus 176 run differential. That's hard to do. 361 winning percentage and just mm. a God awful team. But the good news, Darren, is we get to talk about the most exciting prospect in the system. I don't care. All the other people who like are not going to break up your prospect list by putting this guy as number one. Okay, nobody's asking you to put him number one. But let's acknowledge an extraordinary, extraordinary season from Popeye himself, Jose Rodriguez, who basically just by MVP votes would make the all-star team or, 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 or be the best player on uh, two different teams uh, in the organization. That's not easy to do either. A phenomenal year from Jose Rodriguez, probably nothing more you can add that you haven't already said, but I'm going to still challenge you to do so. Darren Black, my partner on this podcast. Yep. So um, Winston, he 
Jose Rodriguez is obviously doing uh, pretty well for a 20-year-old at Canapolis, uh, but he really broke out uh, when he went to Winston-Salem. Uh, over about a 30-game stretch, he had a 141 WRC+, plus OPS uh, in, in the 900s, which is fantastic for any sort of middle infielder. Um, he did steal a fair amount of bases, uh, though I will always put up the uh, PSA that low A new rules invite more stolen bases. So it's not necessarily that he's going to steal 30 in the majors when he gets there, um, but it's still impressive nonetheless that he was able to do that more than others. Uh, the thing that I was most impressed with was that his power kind of stayed going from Kannapolis to uh, Winston-Salem. He's more of a gas power guy still, but as I've said all throughout the season, I look at his swing and I see that it could become pretty decent home run power eventually. It's still a 170 or 170 ISO, which is pretty good for a middle infielder. You would still probably think anything to over 200 is good power, um, which would be 30% higher than what he's at right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but still fantastic nonetheless that he had 14 homers as a more, mostly shortstop this year. Um, in just over 100 games. Um, and obviously, we're going to keep an eye out for him for the rest of his career, even if he did, starts doing poorly next year, which I do not expect. Um, but he's kind of forced the issue. He's going to be in double A to start the year next year, at least. He just hit a grand slam the other day <laughs> for the uh, Arizona Fall League team, the Glendale Desert Dogs, which is fantastic that he's even there to begin with since he was at Kannapolis to begin the season as a 20 year old. Um, so a guy to watch, the, maybe not the best season this year, but he certainly went up all the prospect rankings. And if you put him number one or not, like no one thought you'd be having that conversation to start the year. Trooper Galactus, who has just officially joined our staff after being an informal contributor for quite some time, has mm-hmm. adopted. I believe he, I believe he is actually renting a room out to Jose Rodriguez right now. He <laughs> has adopted Jose as his absolute number one prospect in the system. And you know he is listening right now, just itching to break into a goddamn farm <laughs> podcast, any sort of podcast, just to talk about Popeye. You'll get your chance, Trooper. Okay, you know, for such a horrible, horrible, horrible horrible, horrible team at a team that wasn't always horrible. Didn't start horrible. Uh, A number of just terrific names and promising names came through. We've addressed in go back to it. We've addressed Yolbert Sanchez in the prior podcast uh, with the Birmingham Barons. So go listen to it. If you didn't, if you're skipping around, I don't know what you're doing. Go in order. Come on people. Uh, But uh, of course the guy who was on track to be the pitcher of the year, whether or not it's probably going to make, Darren just shake his head and spit, but the guy who was on track to probably be the pitcher of the year, Taylor Varnell, was on that team and just retired. Okay, uh, once he got to Birmingham, uh, Luis Corbello started out really hot, then sort of like reverted back to Luis Corbello. Uh, but a couple of guys who sort of bounced back and forth between Canapolis and Winston Salem. Uh, the first being Luis Mieses, who actually would rank as the number two player on our listing behind Jose Rodriguez in terms of just the MVP votes. He ended up, you could say, more than putting it together. Uh, he was stellar this year and in a smaller sense, but still very significant as one of the best players in the organization, Harvin Mendoza. Uh, two guys who uh, got an early step, got an aggressive assignment, got an early setback, and then, you know, took that setback out to the woodshed and did something with it because 
with Winston-Salem, they really were standouts, uh, terrific offensive performers. Um, does this give you some promise? Is this, are these guys back on the radar for you? Uh, not that they ever fell off, but are they more than ever on the radar for you as prospects for the White Sox? Yeah, so I would say out of uh, Myasis and Harvin Mendoza, who both started in Winston-Salem, then because of atrocious play, <laughs> they were demoted and then kind of rediscovered their own, um, how good they were in rookie ball, uh, got re-promoted back to Winston-Salem. Both of them did have aggressive assignments. They skipped Kannapolis initially. Um, it became pretty clear pretty early that maybe they shouldn't have. Um, but in Myasis' case, uh, he he just wasn't putting the ball in play when he's in his first stint with Winston Salem. He was hitting the ball. He was crushing it when he got the barrel of the bat on it. He had an over 200 uh, ISO uh, in his first stint, and then got demoted and just became just a better hitter. The power did go down, but he was hitting over 300 as opposed to below 200. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of that is BABIP related, but he just had a gigantic or not gigantic, but a much bigger strikeout rate than normally for him. Um, and he is already a very raw player. So if you have a increased K rate for someone that young, then they're just not going to be able to do that. Uh, when he got re-promoted for the rest of the year, he had a 117 WRC plus. The power stayed, went up back over 200 again. Um, and the batting average, of course, went up. Um, he struck out less than he was at the beginning. Uh, he really improved the K rate when he went back down to Kannapolis and that stayed. I'm not sure if he just uh, needed some time to, again, all these people missed 2020. So maybe he just needed to get, you know, a month through the season before he actually start feeling good about where he was at. Um, But he put it together in Kannapolis and it kept going through in Winston-Salem. And he's definitely now a guy to rewatch because he was a, a guy coming out of the international signing pool that you wanted to see do well. He just really hadn't put it together. And this was the first year he put it together, and it was in full-season pro ball, which is fantastic for him mm-hmm. and for Taz, fantastic for the Sox that he was able to put that uh, for him. Um, Harvin Mendoza is a bit different. Uh, he still did much better than he did after coming up from Kannapolis. He's just a contact hitter as a first baseman, which usually gives you know people the heebie-jeebies because right. he doesn't really have much power. Um, but he's a great contact guy. If he can somehow just become a more patient player um, instead of relying purely on contact and maybe getting on base of 35% of the time, um, maybe that can put him up into uh, more of a top prospect kind of role. Um, but the bat to ball skills are certainly there. Um, and you can, if you can improve, even in the power, uh, if you can improve that at all, uh, he could really skyrocket through the system if he could start improving uh, other facets of his game besides the contact rate. A reminder uh, that this is your commercial free Southside Sox on the farm podcast. Take advantage of it. People You don't have to sit through that minute. It's glorious. I'm here with Darren Black. We are, we have been counting down the, the full organization. We have arrived at the Winston-Salem dash uh and it's a little bit painful we addressed again don't skip there now don't go back and listen to Birmingham now just finish this one out and then go back to Birmingham somehow you missed it we did address uh you did address Darren um Yoki Cespedes a bit with Birmingham but what I want to ask you given that he sort of made his bones to some degree Winston-Salem this year um aside from just reps and the answer might just be reps um what is it given that he pretty much passed his season with 
flying colors. Uh, what do you need? What would you anticipate needing to see from him in 2022 that's going to keep him sort of on this path that could see him in the majors and could actually see him as part of a right field, center field, or right field solution uh, for the White Sox uh, in the future and maybe in the near future? Yeah, so I, I basically want to see the uh, Winston Salem version of him, 127 WRC plus in double A next year. I want him to be around that level. Um, even if he starts in double A or triple A, I want him to be in those 120s because uh, that's what I always watched when Gavin Sheets was coming up. Even though his power was down, he was still having enough offensive production to be like, okay, eventually he'll get his power just because of the baseball. Um, but he's still putting together fantastic offensive seasons no matter how he can. Um, so I would just broader numbers just looking at that because he is 24 or next year will be his, I guess, 24 to 25 year season. Um, and he should be doing better against lower te- lower, lower levels like Winston-Salem. So I want to see that same level uh, just at the higher in Charlotte and Birmingham. Um, but beyond that in nitty gritty, his plate, plate approach, again, he hasn't really played much in three, four years. So I'm not going to be like, oh, this guy just is going to strike out all, all the time. He's not going to walk enough. Just you got to hope that he hits homers or anything like that or provide offensive skill on the base path. Um, I, I expect that to, to improve. His K rate was a couple percentage points under 30%, which isn't horrendous. Uh, but it isn't something to be happy about either. And the walk rate did fall when he got promoted, uh, which usually is not that great. It was cut in half from six to 3%. So it was already at a smallish number. Um, but if you just kind of want to see how he is as a professional uh, baseball player, moving up the ranks, getting used to uh, just better pitching overall than he's ever seen, uh, plate discipline is going to be something to watch. Um, and we, after the Arizona fall league is over, cause it seems like he's one of the starters on that, mm-hmm. on that team. Um, and if that improves any, any iota, uh, down there, that would be a good thing to see. Even if his, even if the batting average is low, um, definitely want to see him be a bit more patient at the plate because he has a lot of power. Yeah. Not to hog this all, hog, uh, all the attention from other players we could be talking about from Winston-Salem. But let's uh, quickly just address something about the fall league because we've got Jose Rodriguez there. We've got uh, Yoki Cespedes there. Um, what does this do for guys to be there? Because we see uh, the White Sox in particular, maybe all teams take a weird approach. I mean, J.B. Olsen's there, for God's sake. So, I mean, it, it's not as if it's just like the seven most, you know, the, the seven merit-based guys go there. There's a very various reasons why players are sent there by organizations, including to showcase them, let's face it. Uh, but uh, for these guys um, – uh, you know, both young, different circumstances, but both young, definitely new to professional baseball, full season professional baseball in the States. Um, what does this do? Is this, is this in your eyes, is this really sort of um, like an all-star summer league kind of thing? Um, is it something that really is a shot in the arm just to be chosen? And then every success you can have there is really going to add to confidence or is it, or are these more like just extended season for your, your regular minor league season? I would definitely put it in the category of extended season, uh, but it, the competition on average is much better than uh, especially any of these White Sox uh, farm system guys have seen because uh, their teammates are infinitely better than their, their White Sox teammates. Um, just matter of fact. Um, but even, even beyond that, like obviously Yoki Cespedes needs at bat. Uh, Jose Rodriguez 
um, since this is more of an all-star kind of type extended season, mm-hmm. that's just like, Hey, you did awesome. You deserve to get, <laughs> you deserve to get more attention on you. Um, yeah. and he'll go hit grand slams and get even more. Attention <laughs> yeah. Um, but even beyond that, uh, since we are talking about showcasing, I wouldn't necessarily say a lot of the White Sox guys there are showcasing. Right. Um, cause you, you have Gilbert Sanchez, whose, uh, ceiling is limited. Yoki Cespedes is, I don't think a guy the White Sox are going to trade right now. They, I mean, they just signed him. I don't right. think they're, I guess, I guess he who must be not, not be named that's in San Diego right now is also <laughs> traded like pretty quickly. Um, but I don't Which is why it's never going to happen again. Yeah, I don't believe they're going to do that. Um, and I don't think they're going to trade Jose Rodriguez as all, because as we mentioned, maybe on an earlier podcast, the second base is open and he could theoretically fit there. But even on the pitching side, um, Caleb Freeman's probably the best guy there. And the White Sox have holes in their bullpen. And he's probably their best bullpen arm in the system right now. And he's in the Arizona Fall League. So I think it's just kind of more showcasing to see, hey, are you ready for the White Sox? And if you're not, then just at least try to prove that whatever you're going to learn in the Arizona Fall League against much better competition, that you're going to be much better next year for it. Um, But obviously we won't know those answers until spring 2022. After the Birmingham Barons um, podcast published, I got just a nasty just angry, really more disappointed. It wasn't nasty. It was more disappointed note from Tommy Barber. You said, Brett, you almost forgot to talk about Micro Dolfo into a podcast. You could have done it in Charlotte. I would have been happy, but you didn't do it in Birmingham and I'm angry. So I don't want to make that mistake here. I don't want to disappoint Tommy Barbie or any of the other Winston-Salem Dash super fans out there like Julie Brady. She's just waiting to yell at me for something we're forgetting about. So Darren, <laughs> have we not addressed uh, someone who really is worthy of some acknowledgement for this season? And that could be good or bad. Um, I think keeping it control on the Winston-Salem, uh, we, t- we touched on Caleb Freeman a bit. Winston-Salem is really the, uh, the, where you start getting to where the bullpen guys are. Um, and of course you've got your Bennett Souza's and Andrew Perez's, but if you're looking at top 30 guys, it's Caleb Freeman, McKinley Moore, and Yelvin Sylvan. Um, all those guys are righties. So maybe not necessarily the handedness that you would want. But Freeman got a bunch of chances, late inning guy. So the White Sox obviously like him. And he's in the Arizona Fall League. Nine saves, did pretty well. Started out slow just because everyone had a walk problem, but really got it down by the end of the year in double-A. Um, McKinley Moore didn't really have a good season, uh, but really high strikeout numbers. Again, walk problem, but he was drafted with a walk problem. and was actually improved from when he was drafted. So that's just, that that's actually a success story for command. He just let up a lot of hits and let up a lot of fly balls, which um, isn't a good thing to do as a pitcher, <laughs> obviously, but he also got nine saves. So he's a late inning guy. So the white Sox, again, if you're getting saves in the minor leagues, mm-hmm. then the white Sox think you're yeah. a good pitcher um, or not just the white Sox, anybody in the majors. Mm-hmm. Um, and Yolvin Sylvan moved up the most. He got up to double A. Uh, he went from Canapolis all the way up to double A. Um, they didn't really use him in a late inning role, uh, but he's got decent stuff, really good command. Um, if he can maybe get a little bit more of a strikeout pitch to him, he didn't really have a, that high of a K rate. Um, so his breaking stuff probably just isn't as mature as maybe a McKinley Morris or Caleb Prebens. Um, But definitely those three guys are people to keep out, keep an eye out on just on the relief side. Um, Because teams in general need them, and the White Sox bullpen 
that was supposed to be their strength. Really, their farm system was supposed to be the strength with the bullpen in, in total. Um, but now it's kind of, well, who's next up now that all the guys that yeah. you thought were good are not there anymore. If you've watched uh, each of these podcasts so far over this last week or so, you you I, you might be going back to look now. You might be going to the the Southside Hip Pen YouTube page and say, "Wait, I, is is Darren still wearing that Canapolis hat? Is Brett still wearing that weird black shirt? Man, these guys <laughs> need to do some laundry." Well, guess what? Indeed. We've got one more coming, <laughs> and uh, so keep on listening, keep on reading our uh, end of season series, Darren Black's end of season series. Each time we're running this podcast, we're also running his year end review. I uh, hope you've enjoyed the one so far, including this one from Winston-Salem, painful as it is. Uh, we're going to get uh, very soon to uh, a couple days from now, a very exciting team. I'm so eager to talk about it. It's almost as if I'm going to stop this right now and just start talking about it with Darren right now. But you're going to have to wait a couple of days. Sorry, folks. I hope you do. Thanks for reading. Thanks for listening. And we'll be back at you, maybe talking about Canapolis sooner than you think. <laughs>